Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today is episode 153 and we're going to be interviewing Clara. How are you doing this morning, Clara? I'm really good. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to have you here. It's bright and early for you. It's in, you're in uh, San Francisco this morning, so it's about eight o'clock for you, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we thank you for getting up early to do this. So let's get started. Let's dive in. Tell me about your childhood. Um, let's see. I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I grew up, I have a family of, this family of four kids. I have three younger siblings. Um, my mom was a teacher. My dad worked in finance. Um, but I have a really long, long history of family alcoholism. Um, both my parents are in recovery. I never saw either of them drunk, but, um, they are definitely alcoholics. Um, All of my grandparents on both sides are alcoholics and majority of my aunts and uncles and cousins. Um, So I definitely grew up like with this idea that I knew that if I drank, I was going to be an alcoholic, but I was like convinced that I could outpower it. Um, Yeah, I had, I had normal childhood, like nothing super traumatic happened until my teens, but I just always had this feeling in elementary and middle school that I was like different than everyone else that I didn't fit in. Um, did your parents go to meetings and stuff? Like did they, were they in active recovery or they were just sober? No, they were just sober. So a lot of like the dry drunk behavior. Um, my mom definitely like very much um, emotionally manipulative. My dad um, very emotionally unavailable um and not a lot of like emotional regulation on either of their parts um so I didn't really ever like have an idea of what it looked like to show emotion and like how one health like processed healthy emotions um in any way I and it was very much like if you had negative feelings like if you were sad if you were angry like you were doing something wrong. Um, and I definitely carried that on into my addiction and like was like, oh, I have these feelings, like I'm there must be something wrong with me. Um, my high school years were weird. Uh, my brother started using um, heroin and other opiates when I was 18 and he was 16. So I guess I had just graduated Real well, quick, I, going going back to when you were younger, how how did you do in school and stuff? Did it affect you in oh, school? Um, I always was academically very successful, um, but I had I was kind of labeled the problem child because I would act out a lot. I think trying to like get the attention that I didn't have at home, like I had three younger siblings. Um, I think also just like not knowing how to engage in social situations like I was really awkward I kind of always felt like 
nobody wanted me to be there. And so I was like, if I can act out or if I can be the class clown, like at least I'll have some role, like I'll find some place in this classroom setting. Well, as you get older, it's uh, you learn that it, you may not have been an awkward kid. You might have just thought you were an awkward kid and you were projecting that onto what people think about you without even knowing what they're actually thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I did that a lot too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely had a really hard time keeping friends. Um, I was very like bossy and like probably manipulative now that I look back on it. Um, but I just didn't really know that that's what I was doing. Um, I kind of was just like treating my peers the way that like my parents treated me, which was not bad. Like they were obviously doing their best, but um, just not the, the most healthy example of, of how to appropriately communicate. Um, my parents were also very much the kind of parents who, as long as everything looked perfect on the outside, it didn't matter what was going on inside of our house. Um, there was a lot of screaming and fighting and things being broken um, between not really so much my parents, but my dad and like us, like he just didn't really know how to react to, um, to children and to like us misbehaving. Um, and so that was like a weird thing to just kind of carry around this secret with me all the time. Um, my mom was very much like, you can't tell anybody like what goes on in the house. Like if people know like how you guys behave, like I'll lose my job. She was a teacher at the local elementary school and like knew everybody. And once she had my youngest sister, she stopped teaching, but she was like still very much like the PTA mom and like, you know, took on the role of like coordinating every sport event and every like club and like I was in Girl Scouts and like she was the leader and you know so just this, I find like, it funny how she put it on you oh if you, they find out how you act I'll lose my job but meanwhile she's the one that's the addict yeah 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 so I mean like I said like I'm really glad that like both my parents um my dad got sober when I was 11 but I never saw him drinking um my mom got sober when she found out she was pregnant with me and hasn't had a drink since and like I feel very grateful for that um but I also like reflecting on it realized that I never knew what normal drinking looked like because my family didn't drink and so I just kind of had these like preconceived notions of what you see in like movies as normal drinking and so in high school when I started drinking I was like oh like this is normal right like everybody like get sick everybody blacks out like everybody does stuff that they like regret and like laugh about it and come to like find you know four or five six years later that's not how normal people drink so yeah definitely um like sometimes I wish I would have seen my parents like drink or like had conversations about it because it was very much just a taboo topic they were like we don't talk about it we don't drink like we don't talk about drugs like um it just was very much like not even a, a part of my world um, growing up. Yeah. Um, so I guess like back to my brother, because I really feel like that's where like my addiction kind of started. So my brother. How old at this time? How old were you? 
Um, so my brother dropped out of school when he was 14. So I would have been 16. Um, he was like skipping school all the time um, to go smoke weed. And eventually, like after about a year, like that switched to other things. Um, and then when he was 16 and I was 18, so like, I guess I was like, he was almost 16 and I was almost 18. So it was the year that I graduated high school, my senior year. Um, he really started um, using like heavy drugs. Like he was using opiates and um, his friend actually overdosed at our house. And I like gave him CPR for like five minutes until the paramedics showed up. So that definitely really deterred me from doing drugs. scary. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. Um, and you kept and him it, alive, I'm assuming? Yeah, it, yeah. It the, because of you? Yeah, the paramedics showed up and they had a Narcan him twice. But um, yeah, he's, as far as I know, he's still alive. He used to work at the gym that I go to. And so like, I'd see him every once in a while. And like, I would expect him to be like, oh my God, thank you so much. And he would just like pretend that he didn't know me. <laughs> but you know, that's just how we are. Um, I think I had my first drink at 14 um, and I remember like it was New Year's and my friend's mom like poured us each a glass of champagne and my friend like drank half of it and was like this is disgusting like why do people drink this and I like chugged the whole thing and was like oh my god this is amazing like I want more um, and that probably like should have been a red flag for me but I just was just like the first time did you want more because you liked it or did you like want more because you liked the way it made you feel? I definitely liked the way it made me feel like that instant, like warm and fuzzy feeling, like <laughs> the way it like hit my stomach and like my head. I was just like, oh, my God, like I've never experienced anything like this. I, like, it's so funny you just said that because. I wrote a book and in the book, I write my story. And part of it was my ex-girlfriend's dad. So we were having a fight and he knows that I wasn't in the wrong. So he's like, come in the kitchen real quick. He pours me a Diet Coke and then he puts a splash of rum. And I literally write my exact words for it, where I did not like it at first until that warm, fuzzy feeling took over. Yeah, yeah. It's when so it goes cool. down and it feels like, ah, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, we yeah. shouldn't be like romanticizing it, but let, let's right. call it what it was. We liked it. Right, right. I very much equate like my first drink to like a spiritual experience. Um, and I think that until I found like the rooms of NA and AA, like I was constantly searching for that first, the way that I felt on that first drink, like that spiritual experience. And that's something that like I can only find now in the rooms, um, which is so cool. Like that's really, I think, like what you know the like the appendix at the back of the book is talking about when you have a spiritual awakening it's not like these bright lights from heaven it's not like a burning bush like it's very much just that moment of serenity that you get when you have your first drink or drug that you're only able to find again in in the program um but i guess yeah like fast or rewind um so i started drinking regularly um pretty much like right after um my brother's um friends overdose so I like really stayed away from drugs all of high school like a lot of my friends smoked um 
I went to a pretty like expensive Catholic high school. So there was a lot of like cocaine and like other party drugs. And I was just like, nope, like I've seen what it did to my brother. Like, I'm not interested. I'm just going to stick with alcohol. Um, and I would say I probably started drinking alcoholically around 19. Um, I was going to community college at the time. And so majority of my friends were over 21. Um, working like 30 hour weeks and so I had you know of my peers like I had a lot of money and so I was the one that always had like booze so I was the one that always got invited to things um and it pretty quickly became like drinking at parties and drinking like on the weekends to like drinking alone in my bedroom like very very quickly um and I just like was kind of helpless over it like I would (laughs) I would store like one or two bottles of vodka in my room like at the beginning of my active addiction and like would just drink like three or four shots a night and then like watch tv and go to bed and I just didn't really like see a problem with it I was like oh like this is how everyone like relaxes after a long day like this is how people treat themselves um So around that time also I started smoking weed which for me was like I did not like it at first at all like the my first experience was like I took like 50 milligrams of like edibles and I was like this is horrible this is like terrifying I hate this why does anyone do this um then I very quickly realized that like if I could drink and smoke at the same time like like this really amazing effect um and so that very quickly became my my thing um and you know it's like a lot of people like don't consider like weed a narcotic but I I truly believe that like that progressed my drinking because once I started smoking I was like how do I like get this feeling like I was high all the time and so then I was I would have to like kind of drink more to like balance it out and it was just a hot it was just a hot mess I would like wouldn't you consider alcohol to be the um gateway drug because that led you to weed it sounds like right right yeah it definitely like alcohol is my gateway drug like I am 110% an alcoholic like because I I um what do you call it I'm a firm believer that it's not marijuana that is the gateway drug. It's whatever mm-hmm. you use first. Yeah, Because it's absolutely. that first high you go, well, what does other stuff feel like? Exactly. Because a lot of yeah. people, they just say, oh, it's weed. It's like, no, it's that's the easiest thing to get. Yeah, right. So it's just the fact that anybody wanting to try to get high, weed is just so easy to get. And they consider yeah. it the quote unquote gateway drug when it's yeah. really not. No, really it's not. definitely alcohol. Honestly, I think my gateway drug was cigarettes. And then once yes, I realized, me too. we have a yeah, lot in common. I was like, once I realized that there's like some sort of like chemical substance that can make you feel different. Oh yeah, like I, you know, um, yeah, it's weird. So, um, yeah, I just have always like I've literally always been an alcoholic. Like obviously from my first drink, um, but it got to a point around. So when I was 20, I moved out of my parents' house um, and I moved in with this guy that I was dating, um, which that's always been a problem for me too. Like 
just dating like I am very much codependent I very much like can't be single I jump from relationship to relationship and that's definitely also one of my problems that the program really helps with um but I moved in with this guy who was 22 and so like we just like drank every night all the time and I was like oh this is like normal like I lived with roommates and they drank like I did and so it just wasn't it wasn't a problem um until I started like blacking out regularly um and at first like I would black out and then I would usually just like fall asleep off like very shortly after and like it wasn't a big deal and like everyone was just kind of like oh haha like that's that girl that like always drinks too much um and then it very quickly progressed to me becoming a very angry drunk um and saying and doing a lot of really hurtful things um especially when I was blacked out um I like what kind of hurtful things would you say um (laughs) it's so embarrassing like I would just tell people like you know like you're worthless like I hate you like you need to like die like just really like hurtful things that I think I was really projecting the way that I felt about myself onto other people um something that was a really big trigger for me was COVID um and I know it was for a lot of other people I had literally just started school in San Francisco like in January of 2020 so I had been here like two months and then the pandemic started and I like moved back home and I was like well if the world's ending like I might as well just drink all the time like nothing to live for like I was really convinced that the world was gonna end (laughs) um and so I you know it was like I don't blame my alcoholism on that like uh but I definitely it was a source of a lot of my anger like I really felt personally attacked by people who like didn't take COVID as seriously as I did I was like oh my god like this ripped away my entire like college experience and like you guys are just taking this so lightly and like I really like took that personally and um would get into a lot of blacked out fights about it with people like on the internet and I would like wake up in the morning and see (laughs) what I had said and I was like oh my god like that's so embarrassing um yeah so it's just so it very quickly progressed um once I started blocking out it went from like blocking out like once a week to like blocking out like every night um by the time I was 21 I definitely was like blocking out regularly um if not like nightly and at that point too then I like had unlimited access to whatever I wanted so it just like I would literally just hide in my apartment and so that I could drink as much as I wanted because when I would go to parties or when I would like hang out with other people they'd be like Clara like you're really drunk like you drank way more than everyone else like you're acting really ridiculous and I didn't want that like I wanted to be able to drink how I wanted to drink and not have any judgment um and like that was so so lonely like I was so depressed I didn't really have any friends like I didn't talk to people I like would go to work and then try to like rush home as quickly as I could so that I could like drink um around August of 2021 so I had been 21 for about six months 
um, I had my first episode of alcohol-induced psychosis, which uh, is terrifying. Would not recommend it. Um, I don't remember any of it, but from what I've heard, like I basically was seeing things that weren't there, hearing things that weren't there. Um, I was super, super suicidal. I tried to um, jump off of a second story balcony of my parents' house. I tried to jump out of a moving vehicle. Like the police were called multiple times. Um, eventually I ended up in the hospital and, um, you know, I had to, by the time I got there, which was probably like three or four hours after I had had my last drink, my blood alcohol level was 0.47. Holy shit. Yeah. So like I should have been dead. Um, but I wasn't for some reason. And, um, I had to stay there for like over 12 hours before I was back at like a 0.00. Like that's how long it took to get all of that out of my system. Um, and then I like decided the next morning that I was just going to move back to San Francisco and like go back to school. And that was like the worst choice I've ever made in my entire life. Like I very much pulled a geographical there. I was like, oh, like moving out of the city will help. Like, um, cause I originally grew up in Seattle and so I was back there and, um, I was like moving out of Seattle will help. Like um, going back to school will help, like, I'll have something to do, like, I, you know, I won't have time to drink, like, I'll make new friends, um, and that lasted, like, about a week, and then I very quickly picked up right where I left off, um, I was a hundred percent that Craigslist roommate, like, I was terrible, I was always having guys over, like, it was really loud, um, I was super disrespectful to my roommates, um, I would what like kind drink, of things would you do? What kind of disrespectful things would you do? I would like drink their alcohol and eat their food and like I just didn't care about them. Like I viewed them as something that like came in between me and my like alcohol and like I like I just hated them. Like I would just be like like I didn't care that I was being a bad roommate because I felt like they deserved it for some reason even though like they never really did anything wrong um at first like we were good like we would go clubbing together and like have you know go to parties and things and then they very quickly realized that I did not drink like an old person and like they held like multiple interventions for me at first um and then after a while they just like literally stopped talking to me like I did not talk to either of my roommates the past three months that I lived in that apartment, which was like crazy, like super toxic. Like I literally stayed in my room and like, I used to call it my like emotional support bottle. Like I literally slept with two bottles of wine, like one on each side of me and just like it drank until I fell asleep every night. Um, so right before my 22nd birthday, which was in March, um, on March 5th of 2022, I was at a museum with my boyfriend at the time, um, and I'd been drinking all day, and one of, like, the security guards there was, like, kind of, like, getting on my case. He was, like, you're acting weird, like, you're too close to the art, like, da-da-da-da-da, and I was, like, well, fine, I'm just gonna fucking leave, um, and so I left, and me and my boyfriend went back to my house and we started arguing um and this is about the time that I don't remember anything um but he was just like really 
mad at me about like embarrassing him, which is totally valid. Um, and my roommates heard us arguing and called the cops. Um, and the cops showed up and they kind of like diffused the situation. Um, and this is the time, like, I don't remember. So from what I've heard, um, the cops left and then I was really mad at my roommates be, for calling the cops. So I started swinging on them <laughs> and they called the cops again and they came back and they were like, we're going to arrest you. At this point, I like somehow had changed into my pajamas and wasn't wearing shoes. And in my head, I thought it'd be a really good idea to try to run from them. So like here I am running down the street completely barefoot in my pajamas. I made it like four blocks before they tackled me. Um, and you know those little like garden pavers that look like um, like bricks, but they have like the little like ruffles on the top. So they like ended up slamming my head into one of those. So I remember running from them. Then I'm pretty sure I passed out because I don't remember anything after that. Um, I woke up in the hospital about 4 a.m., so about 12 hours later. I was handcuffed on both sides. Um, my chest was tied down, my waist was tied down, and one of my feet was tied down. Um, and I, like, was covered in bruises, like, from head to toe. Um, both my wrists were, like, bleeding from, like, trying to get out of the handcuffs. Um, my head was, like, obviously pounding. I had no idea how I got there. I was like absolutely terrified. Um, I didn't have like literally any of my belongings. So I had no way of like contacting anybody. Um, I, my parent or my roommates had contacted my dad somehow um, and had like kind of told them what had happened. Um, at some point they transferred me to the psych ward, which I don't remember. Um, and I just remember waking up like in the hallway of the psych ward and this guy was like literally like standing at the edge of my bed just like staring at me like another patient and it was in that moment where I was like oh my god like I need to stop I can't keep living like this like this is going to be the rest of my life like I'm gonna die if I keep drinking um so I like sat there and like just tried to like kind of piece things together like I was trying to figure out like how am I gonna get out of here like meanwhile my head is pounding like I'm super concussed I'm really hungover um and they like assigned me this nurse and his name was Michael and he like called my parents and like explained the whole situation to them he somehow tracked down my boyfriend at the time's number so that I had somebody to come pick me up because they couldn't let me go on my own. They had to like release me to somebody. Um, and so he like luckily came and picked me up. I don't know how, like that was a higher power thing right there. Um, and my dad got on a flight from Seattle like that night and was here the next day. Um, and within like 24 hours of that, I was registered to go to rehab. Um, I ended up staying in San Francisco about another week um after that my birthday is March 10th my belly button birthday um the day I got arrested was the 5th and so I just was like dad can I please stay in the city until my birthday and like have dinner with my boyfriend before like I leave for who knows how long um and so we ended up doing that and then I left the next day 
Um, I went to rehab on the 15th, which is my AA birthday. So I just celebrated five months yesterday, um, which like, I don't know how other people feel, but like 30, 60 and 90 felt like so much more of a big deal. And then once I hit like four months and then five months, I was like, okay, this is just like how I live now. Um, well, those first days you're, you're rewiring your brain to go back to the way it was before and everything feels new. What do they call it? The pink cloud? Everything's great. Yeah. Yeah. Pink cloud. And then pause to post acute withdrawal syndrome, which, uh, not fun, but yeah, I was like an emotional wreck. <laughs> post acute like, withdrawal syndrome. What is that exactly? Um, so that's like, after you go through immediate withdrawal, your brain is like, obviously just like all over the place. So, um, I honestly like would just describe it as like insane, like depression, like you have really bad mood swings. Like a lot of people are still shaky and sweaty. Um, some people sleep like a ton. Some people are like insomniacs. I was somebody who like slept like 14 hours a day. Um, when I first got sober, um, it's just like, you're, I was super irritable. Um, all I wanted to do was drink juice. Like I like didn't want to eat. Like I didn't want to like sleep. I just wanted to like drink juice and watch like shitty reality TV. <laughs> like that's where I was at for the first like 90 days of my sobriety. Um, yeah, it's just like, it was so uncomfortable, like both physically just like trying to like I'm someone who I very much like physically feel my emotions like when I'm anxious like I feel it in my body like when I'm sad I feel it in my body and so it was this like how do I feel comfortable like not even with just like physically or like with mentally feeling these emotions but like physically feeling how weird it is to have emotions again um I was super angry I was super angry um my first like 30 days like I just wanted to like start fights like I just chose violence I was like I woke up in the morning and was like I'm gonna be angry about this today um so when I was 21 days sober I kind of had this moment where I was like I am still fucking miserable like I am sober okay cool but like I hate living I was like you know it was that moment where I really realized like I could not picture my life with alcohol, but I couldn't picture it without either. Um, and that's when I found the Rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous um, and NA in rehab. Um, it was not a 12-step program, but they did enforce that you had to go to five 12-step meetings a week. Um, so I was introduced to the rooms at that point, but I very similarly to you was like, oh my God, this is like, god shit like I'm not here for that um I went to Catholic high school and like very much consider myself like a recovering Catholic like I, yeah. I was like sit in the rooms and I'm like have my high school and my religion class and like mass and I'm like how can you guys sit here and like preach love and tolerance and then turn around and like hate specific groups of people or like yep. just like it very much like the hypocrisy of it really bothered me um and like we like also another thing that happened was my sophomore year religion teacher was like a total pedophile and he like everybody knew like the school was aware of it um and so like it just really like gave me 
a sick taste of what like religion looked like. Um, he finally was fired this last year. Um, and I think that there are like legal charges pending. Um, but it just like, it just very much turned me off from anything religious. Um, so yeah, I was definitely wary of Alcoholics Anonymous at first. And then I, re I reached that point where I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm either going to like kill myself or I'm going to go back to drinking, which for me, like probably would have very shortly led to death or I'm going to like do something different. And for me, that looked like AA. Um, I got a sponsor right then. Um, I've, you know, I'm working the steps. I got a service position once I hit about 90 days. Um, I go to a meeting every day. I talk to what my did you do for your What did you do for your service? Um, I was a secretary for an online meeting and then I just passed the torch of that to somebody else and took the speaker seeker position. So I'm in charge of like finding somebody to speak every meeting. Um, I am in the process of trying to get an H&I volunteer position, which is where you go into hospitals and institutions that host AA meetings and speak. Um, I try to reach out to newcomers as much as possible. My goal is to try to get a new number every meeting that I go to, either somebody who has you know any amount of time, but that's just kind of where I'm at in my recovery. Um, I would say 90% of my social circle are people that are at least sober, but mostly in the rooms. Um, I, you know, I just like do what's suggested of me. I, I really like felt like I had no idea how to live a sober life, especially once I left rehab. I was like, how do I like grocery shop? Like, how do I like go to bed. Like I literally called people in the program like every day and I just took their suggestions and they said, you know, go to a meeting every day, get a service position, get a sponsor, make your bed every morning, like brush your teeth, make your coffee. And that's such a humbling like experience. Like I think that humility is really the thing that I needed to learn the most from AA. Um, very much somebody who like thinks that I'm always right and walks around like living on my own will um and to be told like make your bread make your bed brush your teeth and make the coffee like that's such a humbling experience um I every morning get on my knees and pray which I feel like is also a really humbling experience to just like be in kind of that vulnerable position and like really talking to something that like I don't even know if it's there but um you know it's it's asking for help other than myself um because left to my own accord i drink alcoholically and smoke weed and lock myself in my bedroom um so yeah i mean that's really like where i'm at that's kind of my story um you know my life is not perfect like i i still find myself like getting into situations of my own accord that I don't want to be in like I have a problem kind of with like trying to like interject myself into other people's lives and um definitely still have like a dating problem where I kind of like feel like I always need to be with somebody um 
I definitely have a shopping problem. I spend way too much money. I like cannot go to Target. It's it's not good for me. But um, the problems that I have now are so much better than the problems I had five months ago, like waking up in the psych ward and having no idea how I got there. Um, my social life is amazing. Like I hang out with people like almost every day, which was never something that I did um, in my drinking career. Um, it's, you know, I would not trade how I, a second of my alcoholic life for what my life looks like now, um, despite ups and downs and twists and turns. Um, it's just so much better now. It's like, it really is like I'm living a life beyond my wildest dreams. Um, you would have told me that I like would be living in my own apartment in San Francisco, like a block from my school. Like I would have laughed at you if you would have told me that like my best friends are in AA, like I would have laughed at you. Um, if you would have told me that like every time I pick up my phone, I have text messages from people in the program, like I would have laughed at you. Like I had no concept of people actually caring about me as a person and not just like me as um, something they could use. So, you know, it's, it's so much better. Um, and there, you know, it's not easy. Like I'm still very much in a place where like once or twice a day, I'll have the thought of like, wow, a drink sounds really good. And then I like very quickly play the tape forward um, or call somebody in AA or read the big book or go to a meeting. Um, um, I think something that I always keep in my head, I was on vacation on this island um, across the Puget Sound from Seattle with one of my friends who's not sober, um, but is like down to just not drink when we're together. And um, I was like going through a breakup at the time, like shit was just kind of hitting the fan in my life. And we were at this like festival and I was literally standing in line with her to get like a drink. And I had to just like, I was like, I got to step out of line and like call somebody from AA. And my friend was like, Clara, like if you take that drink right now, like tonight you're going to be naked swimming with orcas. And every time I think about taking a drink, like I just picture that in my head. And I'm like, okay, like I don't need to drink. Naked <laughs> like, swimming with killer whales. Yeah, like that's 100% where I would end up. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's kind of my story. That's where I'm at. And um, I'm just really fortunate to be here. Like in every aspect, I'm so glad that I like get to be on your podcast. Like I'm so glad I get to like go to a meeting every day. Like I'm glad that I, I'm just me now. That's great. Yeah. So one of the last questions that I ask everybody is, do you have advice for people listening? Mm. um if you're new keep coming back um go to meetings as much as you can get a sponsor work the steps get a service position um I kind of laughed at service positions and really what it is is it makes you go to that meeting every week so at least you're going to one meeting a week um definitely for me my relationship with my higher power is absolutely key and fundamental and um that is you know like you mentioned you're an agnostic like I really don't know where I stand but there is a difference between religion and spirituality mm -hmm. um 
read the spiritual appendix or the appendix two at the back of the big book on uh, spiritual experiences that really helps me understand it's like literally four paragraphs um and that's that's really it just do what's suggested of you and do the opposite of what you would have done in your active addiction um opposite action has been super important for me and give yourself grace like sometimes you have to sit in your bed and eat ben and jerry's and watch a shitty movie so that you don't end up at the liquor store or calling your dealer like that's just what it is you got to do what you got to do and um make friends in the program like they will love you more than anyone else that you've ever met in your life um and it just makes it fun like it really makes me want to go to meetings because i know that i'll see people that i want to see that's great i really appreciate you coming on the podcast today yeah thanks for having me no it was a pleasure so do you have anything else you want to add no i feel like i've said probably more than i should no you did perfect this was a great interview i think i think this thank was a good you. one thank you all right so do me a favor and sit tight and for everybody watching and listening if you like what you saw and heard go below and give us a like also subscribe to see when we upload new videos you can check us out on uh, tumblr twitter reddit instagram facebook and tiktok i also suggest checking out our website www.addicts-anonymous.com we have plenty of free literature and resources there available so once again i hope you like what you heard and saw today and until next time